Welcome back. I'm Alfred Lambermont Weber, and today we're joined by our very special guest, um, independent scientist Loren Murray, coming to us from Berkeley, California. Welcome, Loren. Thank you. Well, uh, today uh, we have a very dynamic topic, and uh, that topic is the parallels in uh, uh, all of the transformations and machinations and changes and plans that are going on in parallel as between the Ukraine, the EU, including Greece, and the U.S., which is going through its own parallel process with the Ukraine and the U.S. and the EU and Greece. It's the other the other potential bankrupt that everyone doesn't talk about. Uh, and you've been talking about the changes in the royal families as well. So it's quite the program. And I'm going to let you lead us through this, maybe even starting with what's going on in the Ukraine and then kind of weaving out from there. So take us out along this journey. Um, this is a global agenda and the largest and most profound global transformation that has ever happened uh, by the design of mankind. And I want to emphasize right now in the beginning, in this introduction, that the mechanism for the transformation is nuclear technologies, nuclear pollution, and nuclear waste, believe it or not. Uh, but this has a lot to do with the genocide, targeted genocide and untargeted genocide using HARP, uh, the nuclear technologies that have been developed and tested in the last century, and now the application, we're seeing the application as well as folding in MKUltra, um, the, um, the mind control technologies that are part of HARP. And this is the Anglo-American permanent war crimes racketeering syndicate on the wildest ride in world history. And um, I think it's going to have many, many, many unforeseen, unexpected consequences. And we're seeing that already. It's also master Eurasian chess. And I will never play chess with a Russian because I just about lose all my men on the very first move. And um, here is Putin. An unknown, uh, he came out of the KGB, but people really don't know very much about him, uh, who is now the Caesar or the Tsar of not just Russia, but he's driving politics, geopolitics, uh, policy, laws, and, and uh, norms, and he's forcing the countries who have been misbehaving with these very, very dark policies and, and very unfair um, 
banking practices and so forth and so on, as well as uh, generous and frequent use of weapons of mass destruction that are illegal. And he's making these countries follow international and local laws. And, um, and he's doing things that not only um, are good and beneficial for the perpetrators, but they're also good and beneficial for the uh, change agents, which are basically Russia and China. And in uh, many ways, this is a restoration of the Silk Road, um, which was 5,000 years at least of peaceful trading that built an accumulation of tremendous wealth. And that wealth was looted in World War II from Southeast Asia and China, Asia, Asian countries, um, to benefit the hidden controllers of the planet. And the hidden controllers of the planet um, are the ancient Iranian bloodlines from Central Asia who have ruled the world since the First World Empire, the Parthian or um, empire built by the Persians. And it's the same people. They were the popes of Rome. Um, they built the Etruscan Empire. They roused that, which was in Italy. Then they built the Roman Empire and roused that. Then they built the Habsburg Empire. And that is, although there is no longer an emperor or a kaiser, um, or the Holy Roman Empire, or the Holy Roman Emperor it no longer is on a throne. But the um, infrastructure, the social and political connections, the principles, the template uh, for that Habsburg Empire has very, very ancient roots, and that is still the power center, although it's hidden. So... What, what we'd like to do today is to discuss how this is affecting the U.S. and what the template for the U.S. is for Europe and what was the, oh, and for Greece in particular. So something is going on in all these countries, all these regions. There's so many um, balls in the air right now. Um, it's just hilarious and fascinating to watch. And I think uh, very little of this is in the mainstream news in the way that we will be presenting it today and exposing things that the mainstream media news globally is in a conspiracy to hide from the global population. After all, the world turns on information. Right, right. Now, um, uh, kind of... The word that I heard creeping up in the catastrophic press this week in many, many different articles was that, was that, uh, boogaboo word, World War Three. <laughs> yes. And that's, that's the one that they bring up when they can't figure out anything else to do when it looks like, uh, oh, we're being taken down and it's just that Oh, that's part of the design. It looks like the Ukraine was intended to be taken down. It looks like the EU was intended to be 
dismantled, and it looks like they're trying to dismantle the U.S. as a world economic power as well. So uh, could you kind of walk us through what you think is going on here and the count forces and counterforces that are happening? Well, over the past maybe 500 years, um, there have been a series of 30-year wars. And it is these 30-year wars that bring about these major transformations. There's always a war before the transformation, and then there's always a war after it. So uh, to bring on the next transformation. And so World War Two, I'm I'm sorry, World War One to World War Two was basically a thirty years war because it never really completely ended. It sort of trickled along and then it blew up again in, in World War Two. So we are fifty years or sixty years past World War Two, well seventy years I guess, sixty five. And so this is a major transformation. This is the biggest transformation I think that's ever happened this quickly. And it doesn't encompass the whole world. And these past 30-year wars in the last 500 years didn't involve so many countries and such a landmass and also such uh, devastating weapons. So they have practiced for a very, very long time, these, these ancient ruling Iranians, and um, they're based mostly in Italy because they created Italy. First, the um, uh, Etruscan Empire, and then the Roman Empire, and then uh, the Habsburg Empire, and now it's a new empire, but it's uh, still the same kings and queens bloodlines on mostly on the thrones of Europe. But they work for the ruling elite who are hidden, but I will name some of them. Some of these ancient bloodlines are the modern day um, players from these bloodlines are people like Stalin. Stalin was from Gilan pro- uh, province in the southwest corner of the Caspian Sea, and he was a blood... Um, blood Iranian, ancient bloodlines through his mother's bloodline. And with these people in, who have roots in Central Asia, the bloodlines are always through the female, the mother. And what we're seeing today with the christening of Prince, uh, Prince William's um, little daughter, baby daughter, who's about six or eight weeks old, she will be christened in England, um, in a church that ties her to Princess Diana, and one of her names is Diana, um, she will be christened, and uh, this christening seems to be much more celeb- celebratory than the uh, the christening of her little brother, who will be the next British, will be... Um, He's straight in line for the British throne after William, his father. So um, we're seeing a lot of changes, but what I'm seeing are the signs of symbols of the ancient Iranian bloodlines 
consolidating, integrating, and completely taking over this entire planet. Right. Now, uh, uh, let me just ask you some questions in this, though. We have other actors coming in who are challenging the Iranian bloodlines. On the one hand, we have the ancient Chinese families coming in that now have access to over $20 trillion of savings of the Chinese people, plus all of the gold that China owns. And then we have Russia, uh, what we can call the Putin government, which has been targeted by, by the Iranians, that is the second largest stash of gold. And now that has been structured into a competing structure, competing against the SWIFT system, the, the, federal, the federal Reserve System, uh, in terms of AIIB and the BRICS. And that's an entirely different, entirely different set of bloodlines. That's the ancient Chinese family bloodlines. Maybe, maybe not. And the Russian bloodlines, because if you trace it back, you've got the intersecting Communist Party bloodlines, which of course go back to the, go back to the, uh, uh, Zionist, Jewish bloodlines out of Brooklyn <laughs> that founded communism and uh, the Skull and Bones bloodlines that founded, you know, that sponsored Mao and founded Chinese communism. But I think it's a bit more mixed. Uh, I mean, it's it just that, that is, how do you see that, that kind of mix happening? Well, when the first Persian Empire collapsed, 3,000 years ago, approximately. Um, that was the Parthian Empire. And when uh, their, their uh, time um, in power ended, they fled in a diaspora. Some of them went to China and intermarried with the Chinese imperial family. So the Chinese imperial family has ancient Iranian bloodlines. They are ancient Iranians, believe me. They have that uh, that link and and that that intermarriage and everything. Some of them went to Japan, and they intermarried with the imperial family there, um, or whoever was there. And uh, these ancient Iranians were very very wealthy because they made the finest silk in the world and their brocades their damasks their beautiful beautiful products with silk was the finest in the world and the chinese used to trade their silk from the um from these iranian bloodlines with the mongolians for horses mongolian horses when they wanted to have a war and so you see these Iranians are involved 
all through history, all through the Silk Road history for thousands of years. And so most people don't know anything about the ancient history of Central Asia. Um, but that is the real history that drives the world today. And until you understand that history, it's impossible to untangle the events of today. Uh, because they also develop many subterfuges. They convert to any religion that, uh, promotes their agenda. Um, and in the beginning, these ancient Iranian bloodlines came from, uh, Uzbek and Tajik regions today, Uzbekistan and Tajikistan. These are Aryans. And they um, they did something very, very interesting. The Uzbeks uh, and the Tajiks, those Iranian um, tribes, worshipped Zoroaster and they were Mithra followers the Zoroastra Mithra religion. And um, it's still ruling the world today, believe it or not. It's the, one of the oldest religions in the world. And the belief of Zoroastrianism is that the people who worship Zoroaster would rule the world until eternity. And we see this happening, except what they're doing is completely destroying humanity and the environment and this planet. And the weapons of mass destruction that have been developed will destroy the planet. The Tesla technologies, the HARP uh, applications. Now, um, what the Uzbeks did, because they wanted to rule the world, is they took the Tajik Iranian tribes and they put them in pogroms and ghettos and they converted them to satanic Judaism. They used the Kabbalah and the Talmud to um, inculcate or to uh, to uh, really brainwash the Tajiks into being their helpers. They would publicly implement these horrible agendas because these ancient Iranian tribes were horribly, horribly cruel. And, uh, their deep, deep belief in slavery was to the extreme. Slaves should own nothing. They should work, uh, for free for their masters and they could be abused and used and murdered and whatever the masters wanted. And so the Uzbeks who are in power today from those ancient Iranian bloodlines are Fidel Castro and the Farnese family. They um, own the Pentagon. They built it. It's an exact copy of the Farnese, the Villa Farnese in Italy, 50 miles north of Rome, which was built in the 1500s and finished in the 1600s. Uh, but Pope Paul III, who was Alejandro Farnese, was from these ancient bloodlines, Iranian bloodlines, and he became uh, a, a 
he went to he was sent to Rome by his family to work under a Borgia Pope. And we all know Lucretia Borgia, um, this infamous um sort of a a temple whore or something. There are all these legends and everything about her. But she actually married into my family. I'm from the um the French uh Huguenot family that Henry the Fourth came from. And um, she and the Borgias and the Farnese's and, and all these Serranian bloodlines married into the Bourbon dynasty. And um, they completely ruined it and perverted it. Uh, Henry IV was a Huguenot. Uh, he was a humanist. And um, this is what they don't want. And so what we're seeing is all efforts at humanism at democratic elections and self-determination by people, the normal, normal, ordinary people, all of these movements have been undermined and destroyed and people have been assassinated to get them out of the way. Princess Diana, for instance, was a humanist. Um, and um, Leon Panetta, the former... Um, Minister of, well, he was the Secretary of Transportation under Clinton. Well, Clinton's a Rockefeller through his mother, who was an illegitimate Rockefeller. And um, it's uh, he built the MENA airport in Arkansas with a, uh, the federal government has no jurisdiction over that airport because it was built to fly China white heroin in from China to pay back the Rockefellers for the great loans, uh, large amount of money they loaned China to modernize, redevelop, or to develop. And um, those planes are coming in every day. They're coming into um, Waco in Texas, loaded with heroin from China. And that's why we're fighting. We fought in Vietnam, and that's why we're fighting in Afghanistan. It's to protect the opium sources, the heroin sources for these big world-class criminals who are running the whole world based on profits from drugs, from human trafficking, uh, from many other illicit industries, as you would say, Alfred, so famously. Oh, it's nothing personal. It's just another industry like making shoes. Right, right. So, so that, so that what you're saying is that the current financial meltdown in Greece, in the EU, the financial reval, uh, that's set up between the Federal Reserve and the AIIB countries are really just, in a way, a kind of a redistribution of the drug industry from a certain point of view. It's um it's reorganization and streamlining and modernizing and expanding it to one global unified operation. It's a seamless operation, but it's the new drangheta which uh Leon Panetta's family are members of the Nadrangheta Mafia from southern Italy, which now 
because of uh, uh, Leon Panetta's positions in Clinton's uh, government and in Obama's. Obama made him head of the CIA for two years. Uh, the uh, these Iranian bloodlines completely. The Jesuits took over. They operate through the Jesuits, and the Jesuits took over the CIA in about 2002. And the CIA, the purpose of the CIA primarily is to do assassinations. It has nothing to do with benefiting the American people. It's for benefiting these um, global ruling elite, uh, the Bushes, the Clintons, um, these other presidential families are all servants. They're Zionist facilitators for the um, these this this hidden international global uh, cabal and uh, other members of this these bloodlines are um, well I said Castro and Leon Panetta the Shah of Iran's father was uh, taken uh, the Gajar the last Gajar Shah was assassinated this is in the 1920s or 30s 20s I think and um, the uh, the Gajar Shah was replaced by the Shah of Iran's father, who was military. But the Shah of Iran is from the Pahlavi family, and in Italy it is called the pa- or the Pahlavi tribe. And in Italy, it's the Pallavicini family or bloodline. And Chi means the stock or the bloodline. Uh, Cyprus, the new president of Greece who is giving uh, the IMF and the EU and uh, a lot of other people absolutely acid stomach uh, attacks over what he's doing, standing up to the IMF, which is going to have a domino effect and undermine the IMF. Um, His last name, Cyprus, is uh, a, a Greek word for the island of Cyprus, and Fidel Castro's family, the Farnese's, ruled ancient Egypt from Cyprus as the Ptolemies. Uh, I'm sure that most people who are familiar with Roman history know who the Ptolemies were. And um, so we see um, over and over again, the, the most cruel tribe of the Iranians were the Mids or Medes. And... Uh, who's the uh, prime minister of Russia right now? Medvedev. Who's the CEO of Gazprom, the biggest gas company in Russia? Medvedev. And so you see, if you follow the signs and symbols and you know some of the history of this region, and it took a lot of research for me to dig this out, a long, long time, um, but I did follow finally the signs and symbols, and there it all is. So uh, they're the ones running the world. And probably uh, uh, Kate Middleton, who married Prince William, I believe she has ancient Iranian bloodlines as well in her family history. So, um, so now that we know that many of the players are actually Iranian bloodlines, now we can talk about it, and now what we're going to talk about is going to make sense. 
But everything that's happening now has to do with pipelines. Okay, well, lead us on uh, okay. in, this, in this narrative. Um, the, um, the, the takeover or the destruction of Ukraine, of the Ukraine, was planned probably even before the 1920s. Um, and when the Soviet Union collapsed in the early 1990s, uh, for some reason or other, and it had to be a really good reason, because now we're seeing what the reasons are, Ukraine was given its independence. That was illegal. And also, uh, Crimea was given uh, to, um, to the Ukraine. And Crimea has always been a part of Russia. Uh, it's also the only warm water port they have in the world. The other ports are up around the uh, Arctic area, on the North Sea area, the Baltic area. So uh, there had to be a scheme or an agenda there for these critical pieces of the Soviet Union and of former Russia uh, to be handed off and given independence. Uh, Ukraine was not ready to be an independent country. First of all, it has 35% of the black soil in the world, which is the richest agricultural soil, and it fed all of Europe. It's also the largest country in Europe. And um, it's Monsanto it now is being exposed, and Cargill and Daniel Archer Midlands that are taking over, that are attempting to take over the Ukraine. And what uh, the, one of the problems is that Europe refused uh, to grow GMO crops. They absolutely refused. And uh, so this takeover of the Ukraine is uh, ending up already. Uh, these three companies have already bought a lot of land, millions of acres in the Ukraine, and they're already planting GMO. Now, the, these companies are owned, and they were started by Jesuits, the Jesuit organization. This is not a Catholic organization. These are not religious people. They're atheists. It's a military organization set up by the Farnese family uh, by Pope Paul III before he became Pope. And the Villa Farnese, which is the model for the Pentagon, he built uh, in the shape of or the style of ancient Central Asian uh, fortified structures. And uh, he built the Villa Farnese after he created the Jesuits or around the, the same time. And he built it as the headquarters for the war rooms of the Farnese's and or for the Jesuits are really headed by the, the Farnese's. And so these um, these schemes and these wars and and they all have templates. They were planned long, long time ago. They've used the same templates over and over again to overthrow countries, to create new civilizations, industries, styles, uh, uh, the Renaissance. Uh, all of it. It all came from these ancient, ancient, ancient bloodlines. Uh, but 
That is continuity. That's continuity over 3,000 years. That's a lot of continuity, and that's a long, long time to develop an agenda and the mechanisms to stay in power. And the reason they keep destroying civilizations and then building new ones is so that uh, uh, people they are dominant over do not have a chance to overthrow them and become dominant themselves. So they have to destroy the competition is what they have to do. So um, when these, uh, oh, the Ukraine has never been independent. It was always part of the Polish Empire, the Czechoslovakian Empire, the Habsburg Empire, the Soviet, the Russian Empire, but it's never had experience as an independent country. And so to throw it to the wolves like that, when the Soviet Union collapsed in the early 1990s was really, um, it was really a handoff. It was a hidden agenda, a handoff to some hidden power and interests. And it's turning out now to be the Jesuits with, from all indications. Um, these, this area from the Baltic states, Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, all the way down to the Baltic, uh, the um, Balkan states, which is Bulgaria, uh, Romania, Moldova, Transnistria, all these uh, southern uh, Macedonia, uh, sort of Eastern European, but to the, the more in the Mediterranean region. Um, so, so uh, this region from the Baltic states to the Balkan states has always been in a transition zone. It's been in a, a, a state of being ground up all the time or, or uh, periodically because it, it's an area between uh, very, very powerful states. And that would be the Russia region and the European region. And Russia was an empire. Russia is a very, very large landmass and a very, very large country, but it's actually a, a federation or a union uh, toggled together of many, many cultures, uh, peoples, uh, uh, ideas, religions, everything. It's very, very loosely connected. And uh, actually, if Putin had swallowed the bait and attacked uh, the uh, the Ukraine in order to rescue the Russians in the eastern area, which is under, it's in a war zone now, um, then that would have been the end of Russia because it's not as strong as the Soviet Union, but it's getting a lot stronger because of the sanctions and the, um, the the aggressiveness of the United States, the dominance of the United States and control over Europe, uh, the U.S. has practiced blackmail, racketeering, and extortion on all the European countries. And that's how they operate. But you see, that doesn't build harmony, productivity, uh, peace, and um, um, the blooming of civilizations. It's a permanent war. It's a permanent act of parasitism. 
and it's always eating eating countries, eating peoples, destroying. It's based on destruction, and you never create money on destruction. They're stealing the accumulated wealth from the productivity of peoples who work very hard, and um, that's their whole practice. It's to loot the accumulated wealth of every generation. So every 20 years, we have a war, we have famines, we have stock market crashes. There's some tragedy. And if you took uh, some butcher paper and put it on your wall, everyone listening here, and you put each generation of your family on that paper, and then you looked at worldwide events that occurred in each generation, you'll see how the looting occurred, the accumulation of that wealth. And um, it's, it's so easy once you begin to understand how it really works. And so what we're watching in the Ukraine, in Greece, in Eastern Europe, and between Europe and Russia and China, is this transformation of the productivity of the wealth of the ideas of the knowledge in the libraries is being transformed to the Eurasian and Asian region. And that is the new world empire. Right, right. Now, um, uh, <clears throat> I still see this. So, Behind all of this, is there, what is lurking behind all of this now? I mean, it, it, it seems like Putin, uh, you know, he's, he's uh, trying to, and, and I should mention that, uh, there, there's some parties, and this may be in the line of rumors who say that, Putin's actually dead, and Medvedev is an Iranian who's running the country. But that's 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 just rumor, right? Is that? Um, that's that's not really possible. Medvedev did not have the experience in intelligence. He did not have the long, long, long experience that uh, Putin has had from the Saint Petersburg. Um, that's a cabal left from the imperial period, and uh, that's a lot of Iranians are there. When Berezhovsky, one of the uh, oligarchs from Russia, fled to London when when uh, Putin took back all of the oil fields and the natural resources that are um, the property of the the people of Russia, it's the wealth the the natural wealth of Russia that belongs to the people. And uh, Yeltsin illegally sold billions and billions, trillions of dollars of uh, resources, natural resources, to these oligarchs. Now, um, everybody thinks they're Jews, but they're not. Remember what I said about Tajiks? <laughs> They're the victim population created to do the dirty work for the Uzbeks. And um, when Berezhovsky, one of the oligarchs, lost his uh, oil fields and gas fields and everything, because Putin took just brought all these oligarchs in one room and said, uh, you can keep the money you have, but you're not going to 
own these oil companies anymore. We're taking them back. And they all left the country. They got to keep their money. Um, Berezhovsky went to London. Most of them did, or Israel. And um, and uh, Berezhovsky, uh, Litvinenko, the, um, the double or triple agent who was killed with polonium, uh, radioactive polonium, uh, a few years ago, he, uh, Litvinenko was working for Berezhovsky and, um, and probably also probably people in, uh, Russia, but he was also working for the Israelis. And, um, he was invited by Spanish intelligence to go to Spain. This is, he was planning to go the day after he ended up in the, uh, he ended up in the hospital and he was supposed to go the next day. And uh, Spanish intelligence wanted to interview him about Putin's relationship to the Russian mafia and other mafia. So he ended up dead. Polonium is the uh, method of assassination used by the Mossad. They used it on uh, Arafat. And so by following this and the death of Berezhovsky, I put more pieces together and the structure of uh, not just Russia and power, of power globally. But I had to see it first through Russia and the Ukraine before I could see it in, in the U.S. and England and Europe and everything because it's so well hidden. So Berezhovsky, after Litvinenko died, Berezhovsky um, uh, continued living in London. And just a few years after Litvinenko died, Berezhovsky was found dead on the floor of his bathroom in his mansion outside of London. And he hadn't been poisoned. He hadn't been shot with a gun and he hadn't been stabbed. He was killed, strangled with a silk scarf that was laying on the floor next to him in the bathroom. Now it took me a while to, to figure it out, but in Iranian tradition, the Shahs can never have their blood spilled when they're assassinated. The tradition in that region, even in Turkey, is to use a silk cord to strangulate the, um, the, 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 um, the Shah or in Iran, in uh, Turkey, he was called the, um, what was he called? Sultan. The Sultan, yes. So, um, so that, that indicates that Berezhovsky was probably ancient Iranian bloodline. Right. And, and then what happened is, um, the Orange Revolution. Now it's, now we're going to Brzezinski and Rockefeller and Hillary Clinton, who is a Polish Jew. And um, uh, what is happening uh, on and around the Ukraine in in the background? Uh, it was actually uh, um, Cheney, Dick Cheney, who um, set up the Ukraine for this takeover, and he even was gave uh, Bever. Uh, Victoria. Victoria Newland, who is uh, Secretary of State, Under Secretary of State for 
some of the countries in Eastern Europe, including the Ukraine, um, he gave her her first job. And she is the one who has carried out the uh, overthrow of um, the president of uh, Egypt, uh, the overthrow of uh, Yanukovych, who was a democratically elected president of, of Ukraine. He was overthrown a little over a year ago. And um, she has, I think, been responsible for overthrowing about four countries in these color revolutions. And um, she's a horrible person. Uh, she is, uh, her background her is, uh, she's uh, from a Russian Jewish tradition. And um, her father is a professor at Yale in, um, it's in, uh, biology, the ethics of biology. And so he's all involved in developing these bioweapons and, and, or how to cover it up or whatever, how to do it and get away with it. So, um, just as Bill Gates is from a, a eugenics tradition family, uh, all these families with their adult children now in offices in, in very powerful positions, overthrowing all these countries and then cannibalizing them. They all have ties to the regions, family ties and bloodline ties to the regions that they're now overthrowing. Um, and um, so it's, it's quite, uh, it's quite interesting. It's much more interesting now. I like history now because now it's geopolitics and it's, all kinds of other things. It's very, very rich and very, very interesting. And it's not how we thought the world works at all. It's quite the opposite. Well, so, mm -hmm. well, this, not to jump too far ahead, mm -hmm. but sending the U.S., sending Victoria Newland to kind of gangstock and bring down the Ukraine is in a small way uh, what's happening to the U.S., where all these uh, uh, New World Order gang stalkers are being sent into the U.S. to bring down that culture. It, That's right. I mean, there, 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 there's kind of a parallel process. The, yes. the, the difference is, and I know that we haven't gotten to that part of the program, but the the Ukraine is is in the the Western mainstream media mm -hmm. for various reasons, whereas the takedown of the U.S. is totally outside of the Western media. But it's Russia that is doing it. Russia is masterminding the takeover, the overthrow of the U.S. And Russia and the United States are very, very good friends. They're two of the three strongest Christian countries in the world. That would be Russia, the United States, and Germany. And Russia was depopulated uh, of the white Russians who were the Eastern Orthodox uh, Russian, ethnic Russian Christians who refused to submit to Rome in a schism of the Christian church uh, during the Roman Empire. And so um, the Pope established himself in Rome 
uh, the, the Catholic Church did, the Vatican and so forth, and the popes of Rome. And the uh, the Christian Church split because the Eastern Orthodox Christians did not believe in the Pope. So they relocated to Constantinople, which today is Istanbul. And, um, and then they spread further into Eastern Europe and Russia. And what's happening now um, is that the Jesuits are exterminating all Christian populations that refuse to submit to Rome. And the Eastern Orthodox Russian Church, in, or the Eastern Orthodox Church in Russia, refuse to submit to Rome. Um, in the Ukraine, the Eastern Orthodox Church, the Ukrainian Eastern Orthodox Church, submitted to Rome. So they're not in danger of extermination. But in Yugoslavia, the Serbians are Eastern Orthodox Christians who refuse to submit to the Pope of Rome. And so that's why they were so devastated in the NATO, U.S., British, Anglo, NATO attack on Yugoslavia. And uh, you can see in the um, European populations, in the Serbian population, in the Russian population, you can see how these exterminations completely devastated the economies of many countries. And that is what the IMF, scheme is all about. It's moving into these countries um, as their productivity drops and their economy begins to suffer. And the EMF is standing there with armfuls of money for them uh, to bail them out. But it's actually a ruse to get them so indebted that they have to trade nature for debt in other words, they're giving up their farmlands, their valuable lands, uh, their their commons, really, is being taken away from the citizens and traded to pay off that debt. Because the way the debt is structured and the loans are structured by the EMF and the EU and the World Bank, it is impossible for any country to pay off that debt because as they're uh, productivity and their population decline, the debt and the interest on the debt just goes up exponentially and buries the country. And today, if uh, Cyprus, the president of, of Greece, agrees to pay that debt to the IMF, then um, Greece, even if they did the most austerity possible and they gave people uh, three grains of rice a day to eat, they would still never be able to pay that escalating debt. So what does the president of Greece have to lose by defaulting? Because he will become a part of the BRICS bank. Uh, they already have had a long history of trade with Russia. Uh, Putin has already made overtures to that president and the people of Greece. And um, and what's going to happen is in order for BRICS to replace or to transcend the World Bank and the established Western economic uh, banking uh, industry, really, um, 
it has to be collapsed. And it's Ukraine, it's the Ukraine that is the pivot point for this transformation. Right. So uh, here we have uh, where today's uh, Thursday, July 2nd, uh, uh, we, we, we have the the vote coming up on this um, Sunday. We don't know what the Greek people are going to do. Uh, and so assuming that this is all going to go forward, what do you think the game plan is? What, how do you see this going forward? What, who is trying to do what here? Well, um, the, uh, the Chinese are building a Silk Road. They're reviving the Silk Road. And it's going to be a huge economic trading center from the Pacific Ocean, uh, that, that Asian area region across Central Asia into Russia. And, and then Russia will, um, will extend it to Eastern Europe and, and part of Europe as well. Now, what Russia has which is the glue holding it all together and making it possible but also irreversible is tremendous oil and gas deposits. It's all geopolitics in Siberia. And they have tremendous deposits. Um, I always wondered why Berlusconi and Putin were such good friends. Well, it's President Berlusconi of Italy who took Putin and introduced him to every leader in Europe. And this happened very, very, very quietly. And about 10 years ago, that's when it happened, um, Putin made, he discovered that the, um, the energy grid in Europe was very, very sloppy and loosely consolidated. It was easy meat, in other words. And he had a lot of oil and gas to sell. And he needed that revenue to restore uh, the, the ashes of the Soviet Union. So Putin went carefully and quietly uh, by the side of Berlusconi and, and intro- was introduced to all of the leaders of Europe. And he began making 20-year contracts well, he ended up signing, getting people, countries, governments to sign on for 20-year contracts to provide oil and gas. Uh, in the case of Italy, it was all of it for the next 20 years would come from Russia. But other countries had other agreements. Um, so they took, they did make contracts, but they weren't getting 100% from Russia. Now, since the HARP development and applications and rollout, uh, we now know that the Arctic region is also full of oil and gas. And the Arctic region is basically an ice cap or a whole bunch of ice cubes floating around in the um, Arctic Sea, the Arctic Ocean, but there's no land mass. However, in order to have claims to the mineral rights in the Arctic or the Antarctic, the North or South Poles, a country must have a geologic relationship to uh, that 
uh, land mass or that those minerals um, uh, in the in the Arctic region, it's within the Arctic Circle, and and most of the land mass or the um, geologic stru structures that connect to the Arctic Circle are in Russia. So uh, Putin has claimed all of the mineral rights in the Arctic. Uh, the U.S. has almost none. I don't think they have any. Uh, we have Alaska, but it's not within the Arctic Circle, and um, or it doesn't qualify. And Canada will get some, but not very much. So now uh, Russia not only has the, all the Siberian gas and oil fields, but it also has the Arctic ones, and no one can compete with Russia to deliver oil and gas at such low prices and at such high quality and so close, which makes the transportation cheaper. Uh, so that's why Russia will always uh, provide the oil and gas to, uh, to Europe, to European countries. And um, so this, uh, this is what's happening. It's this war over pipelines. And um, it started uh, when the Bushes were in office, when they were fighting over pipelines in China and um, in the Muslim regions of China and Central Asia. And what the Russians did um, is, well, this is Putin, uh, he started making the contracts for oil and gas deliveries, and then he built the pipelines. He built the pipelines to his customers. But what the Western countries, the U.S. did, primarily the U.S., is they built the pipelines, and then they started trying to get customers, and Putin had all the customers sewed up. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so when that when the U.S. finally realized that, they were building pipelines through Turkey and everything, but they had no customers. So um, so what happened is the U.S. was so furious, and this was under George W. Bush, that they used HARP to cause a huge storm in the Black Sea. There are never storms that big. And I had a Turkish naval officer as a roommate in Berkeley when that happened. So he knew all about the, the, uh, the, the characteristics and the, the nature the, of um, the physical nature of the Black Sea, how it operated in the weather and everything. And he said, there's never been a storm like that ever in the Black Sea. There has never been a storm in the Black Sea at that time of year. And <laughs> he went on and on and on to show me, to prove to me that it wasn't an accidental storm. It was a harp storm. He didn't know anything about his harp until he came to stay with me, and I showed him. I explained it all to him, and so then I got this great feedback. Oh, my God. And he would come in and knock on my bedroom door and wake me up in the middle, middle of the night and read all the news stories about what was happening. And so what Bush did with that storm was he sunk, oil tankers and the oil filled uh spilled all over the black sea and washed up all along the ukrainian coast all these marshlands exactly like the um the bp disaster in the gulf of mexico so here's a template now 
and um, and uh, then uh, a ship full of two ships full of sulfur dust were sunk. It mixed with the water in the Black Sea and created um, sulfuric acid. Uh, and there are all these nations that share the shoreline of the Black Sea. Well, it ruined the Black Sea. It's a 70-year disaster. And if that overturns, in other words, the muck on the bottom comes to the top, and these lakes do overturn, or these seas do overturn from time to time, it will really be a terrible environmental disaster because all those poisons and oil and everything are down on the, the seafloor of the Black Sea. So um, that was uh, that was the first really big harp storm that I saw was a revenge attack on uh, on Russia and on Putin, and um, that was really really dramatic. And to keep it off the front page in 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 the San Francisco Bay Area, this Chinese tanker came in for um, a, a, a big. Um, um, transporter for for goods and for in some for some reason I think it was harp mind control the the pilot of the ship uh, fell asleep and that ship hit one of the pylons of the um, the San Francisco Bay Bridge that goes from the East Bay to San Francisco and um, and so I looked at Sarhat and I said oh Oh, look what's on the front page this morning. We've been watching the Black Sea disaster all night. But look what's on our front page this morning. There was nothing about that disaster at all. I never saw it in the American media at all. Right. So these are the kinds of battles that have been going on. Um, the Americans, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry to say this, but their children, in terms of world strategy, world history, big geopolitics, they think they know a lot, and they think their plans are very cunning, but they don't understand the ancient history. They don't understand, understand the ties for thousands of years between peoples of that re region. And so they, they overbuild their weapons, and they um, underbuild their preparation. They went into Iraq without a single boat. How can you, for the army, how, how in the world can you attack a country with the Tigris and Euphrates rivers uh, that has where civilization started and, and not have a boat? How did they think they were going to cross the rivers? So uh, the, the Americans are just, they've done so many stupid things. Um, and the Russians are very, very different for many different reasons. But um, but now, uh, after a century, a hundred years, the 20th century, of screwing Russia and destroying it and killing a hundred million white ethnic ethnic Russians in World War One to Two, um, and then the rest of the um, the white Russians were killed off in uh, when at the end of the Soviet era, and Putin was part of that. So they were genocided, and now what this war in eastern Russia is about, I mean, in eastern Ukraine, is uh, it's primarily Russian-speaking people 
And what they're doing is um, genociding the Cossacks, who were the traditional Central Asian tribes who uh, formed much of the army of Russia. They're, they're just, they're, they've been, they're the original equestrian uh, nomadic uh, warriors. And they taught the whole world what war is about. Almost all the words, so many words that we use every day um, in in uh, terms of military things, references, uh, are they're all uh, Kazakh words. It's amazing. Um, we have this whole history, and we're using these words and languages, and we don't realize they're ancient. Um, so battalion is one of them. Convoy is another word. There are many, many words that we use every day that are really Central Asian, traditional, ancient equestrian horsemen. And um, so uh, it's a, uh, it's just, um, it's just a, a hugely interesting uh, transformation going on. It feels like we're being dragged through hell and down into the black hole of Calcutta. Many, many people are going to be hurt. And Putin said that himself. But after being uh, very active and at a high level in the Soviet Union, I would say that Putin knows what he's saying. And what he said is this will never work. It's a mad scheme. It will never work, and a lot of people are going to get hurt, but they're going to try to do this. And what we see Putin doing consistently now is making the bad guys behave um, and blocking the margins. It's a game of playing the margins, the shadowy areas that the West is using, especially the U.S., and... Um, Putin has a degree in international law. So throughout all of his chess moves, you see the law being referred to and, and um, uh, being adhered to, and he's forcing these other countries to obey the law, even though they don't want to. But it's good for them, and it's good for his people and for his allies. And so he's restoring the ethics and the purpose for trading and the standards for trading and international relations so that both sides win. Right. Now, let's shift over to the other parallel, uh, which is the U.S. And I know that when we spoke in preparation for this program, one of the areas that we touched on, which isn't normally touched on, uh, was the possibility of a civil war in the U.S. in the same way that they've been trying to engender a civil war and open conflict, which they have done in the Ukraine. If we shift it over to the U.S., the same type of Jesuit template seems to be being applied in the U.S. And the trigger words for me were Jade Helm. As soon as I saw that they began to balkanize the U.S. publicly and to balkanize it into territories 
the Jade Helm territories were seven states kind of in the southwest, including California. I said, oh, here comes the template to balkanize the U.S. and to set up some kind of uh, meltdown, uh, civil war, monetary. You know, it's very hard to figure out what's going on there. And you wanted to talk about these parallels. Yes. Could you walk us through this a bit? Yes. Now, um, when people begin to come to, um, to the New World, North America and South America, Central America, um, that was another transformation. And, uh, they wanted, the European countries were in this age of discovery and they wanted to secure new lands and, and to create new wealth in their own countries. And, um, so, uh, a, uh, Christopher Columbus was actually the son of a Polish king who had been deposed. He was a noble and he had a Polish title as well as, uh, a I mean, he had a a, um, Portuguese title as well as a Polish title. And so he was contracted by the uh, Portuguese government or monarchy to go to Spain. And uh, Spain and Portugal had um, sort of uh, a a lot of, it was a theater of theater of tension a lot. There were a lot of wars and, and, and disputes and then intermarriages of royal families and all this land trading going back and forth. And um, so uh, the uh, Portuguese had already gone to um, Goa in India as, as the early explorers. I think Magellan went there and secured a colony there. It was for the spice trade to bring these rare spices from Southeast Asia, and they've had spice trading for thousands of years, all over the Middle East and all the way up to Korea and um, that whole region, even to Europe or North Africa, had been part of this, this ancient spice trade by land and by ships. And so Magellan, Magellan established um, a Portuguese colony in Goa, on the west side of India. And so the Spanish wanted a spice trade also. Um, So Christopher Columbus agreed to go to negotiate with Queen Isabella and King Ferdinand of Spain. And um, he wanted them to finance his expedition to the East Indies and they were thinking it was the east side of India, but he knew very well he was going to the Caribbean, the east side of um, of North America and Central America. And um, he promised to come back with gold and spices and, and everything. And the Pope even uh, granted all of the Atlantic or all of the oceans to Portugal. And then they, then the Pope divided it and gave um, Portugal one part and Spain, the other part 
but Spain still wanted, they didn't want just the Atlantic. They wanted, they wanted the spices too in around India. So, um, Columbus came back and he said, here's the gold, here are the natives, um, here's this and that and gemstones and everything. And so the, so Queen Isabella, she's the one who funded him, fell for it, well, hook, line and sinker. And it is from that time that um, this rivalry between Portugal and Spain went on and then other countries got involved. But the Jesuits were on those first ships during this period of exploration and they established colonies and taught Catholicism in order they used religion to entrap the uh, indigenous populations. And so they landed in Japan. Uh, they landed in China. So all of China is dominated by Jesuits and controlled. Japan is. Uh, in fact, Benjamin Fulford went to Sophia University in Tokyo, which is a Jesuit university. Um, and uh, uh, Vietnam, they were in Vietnam in the 14 or 1500s. And the Vietnam War was to convert the southern half of Vietnam, which was Buddhist, uh, to convert it to Catholicism. That's the real reason for the, the Vietnam War, as well as uh, drugs. And so what's happening now is the Jesuits want all countries under the Pope and, and under the Vatican in Rome. And so they are systematically of uh, converting other of uh, people of other religions to Catholicism, and if they refuse to convert, they're genociding them. So the Serbians refuse to convert, the Russians refuse to convert, um, and it just goes on and on and on. And this is going to end up being all Protestants all over the world, and and other religions. Buddhism will be swallowed up. Uh, uh, Hindu. Uh, Islam, it's going to all be brought under the Pope of Rome or they're going to be exterminated and new populations will be brought in. Now, there is um, a man at, um, he's a Goldman Sachs product named Sutherland who is the chief of the UN Committee on Migrations. And he is now advocating bringing Africans um, who are in war war zones into Europe, and it's mandatory through the EU that every country takes them. Well, Angela Merkel took them the first time, and she said, no, we're not doing that now. It didn't turn out the way they promised it would. It's a huge problem, and it's cost Germany a lot. Uh, they're trying to force Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, these tiny, tiny countries into accepting these migrations. Um, and this goes back to Czechoslovakia from the 1500s uh, when the um, Robota movement was developed by the Czech uh, royal families, the court and, and uh, others in the, the government. And it was a, a, a program to subdue the serfs and make them uh, completely dependent on 
and uh, all of their revenue that they made on individual plots of land that they owned, not all of them did, would go in taxes to the local nobility and to the Habsburg Empire. So um, that is what they're trying to restore now in the U.S., in other countries, in the Ukraine. Everyone is going to be in a state of slavery uh, unless they're part of this ruling elite cabal. And um, the United States is, is, is controlled and taken over by Jesuits now. Every one of Obama's administrators is Jesuit trained. Everyone on his staff is Jesuit trained. Obama is Jesuit trained. Um, seven, all seven of his intelligence chiefs are all Catholic and Jesuit trained. Uh, the governor of California, um, Jerry Brown, is a Jesuit priest or was a Jesuit priest. And now, now that horrible Jesuit oath that he took when he became a priest or he was studying, um, he is now implementing and rolling out that, that oath. And if you read that oath, you will understand what's happening to the world. And it's Fidel Castro, the Duke of Castro. He's an Italian Duke from the Farnese family. And his colony and program that he set up in Cuba, where he made slaves out of the entire Cuban population and made them all uh, dependent on him, um, that is what is intended to be used as a model, a template, and for the seed people to infiltrate the United States and convert our economy, our population, into something like Cuba. It will be much worse, and it will be much worse than the Soviet Union, more severe and more extreme. And it's happening now. The takeover now is California. That's what Jade is, Helm is about, and it's the whole southern uh, Florida, I guess, to California. And uh, they're starting in California because this is the seventh largest economy in the world. If you looked at all the countries in the world, at their economies, uh, California is a state, but it would rank seventh. So uh, this is uh, this is also where they started the United Nations. There, there's a hidden uh, control center here, and of course the Jesuits came to California with the Spanish. So there's a real, real strong Jesuit uh, dominance and influence in California. And um, um, Nancy Pelosi is a Jesuit trained. Her family's from Argentina. She looks Iranian. She looks like a bloodline Iranian. That very slim figure, and she's pretty tall looking. Uh, they have a physical, they have a physique, they have a character. They have the Uzbek noses, uh, Leon Panetta especially. And, um, and so these are Jesuits moving all over the world in this takeover and rollout of what is going to be a nightmare. Everyone will be a slave except for the ruling elite. 
and everything is single source. There will be no change, no choices. If you want drugs, there's one mafia, the Nadrangheta, where you're going to get your drugs and they're going to charge what they want to. Um, there will be one source for the military. The U.S. is going to be the global military cop. And um, Bertrand Russell said a uh, long time ago, maybe in the 1930s, yes, uh, even before that, in the 20s, in his lectures at Oxford, he said, we're going to um, sterilize 95% of the males and... 60% of the females and the, six, the 40% of fertile females that are left will be expected to breed cannon fodder until from the time they're 19 or 20 until they're 40. Because a country with that advantage of soldiers, these are boots on the ground, will win the wars. So you see this scheme all came out of the 1920s and 1930s and it came from Eastern Europe. This, the Svoboda, uh, surf program is what they're reinstituting and, um, uh, they're bringing immigrants like crazy into the United States. They're pushing Americans out of jobs because the whole middle class is being dismantled and the only way they're going to work is to displace poor people in the, in the poor class. And, um, uh, education is no longer needed. Um, universities only for the middle class anyway, the middle third of the population, uh, the top third doesn't need it. They have more money than they know what to do with and they know how to make it. And, um, the poor class, uh, they're they're the slaves. They they're the low income workers, uh, so they don't need a university education. So you see now, what are the universities going to do? That's where the weapons of mass destruction, the social programs of control, all these dirty things that make people slaves and um, dispel they they it 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 destroys humanity as uh, humanity should be working in peace and, and uh, productivity and, and um, uh, creating wealth, uh, that's all wiped out by this new agenda. So it's really very, very frightening. I live here in Berkeley, and um, Janet Napolitano is another Jesuit-trained. Um, um, she's a San Franciscan, but uh, she was... Um, uh, the, the head of Homeland Security for a while before the University of California hired her. And so she knows Governor Brown and Leanne Panetta very well because they all went to the same university, Santa Clara University near San Francisco. Um, it's um, now Jerry Brown, uh, just yesterday, um, it was announced that he signed the mandatory vaccination bill for adults in California. They couldn't get it passed uh, at the federal level, so they're doing it state by state. And his version of that uh, vaccination bill, he added more things to make it, make it stronger and more encompassing. Um, it's, uh, it's very, very frightening. He's also, um, 
said we're in a drought, so he's taking all the water away from the farmers in the Central Valley. It's the whole food basket for the United States. And um, they're taking that over because it has the best fruit, nuts, food quality in the world. They even grow rice and wild rice there. It's, it's, we have such a diverse climate. You can grow everything in California, subtropical to alpine. And um, so you see the, uh, the university um, is also converting. And what I'm seeing at the University of California, Berkeley, is the, the, the transhumanism. In other words, it's the dehumanization of the young people or young adults who go to Berkeley, go to the University of California. They're given cell phones. They're taught how to transfer huge amounts of money. Uh, that's what's going on now, transferring money uh, from countries into uh, banks, into other uh, hands and uh, concentrating it upwards and it's being done with um, neuro-linguistic programming in the university the whole entire city is wired I live in an area where the students are being trained um, they're housed in apartment buildings it all looks normal like student housing but um, there are fences and gates all around these apartment buildings. They have dug up one corner of the houses and the buildings in my neighborhood and put underground transmitters in that transmit ground waves that carry the algorithms for mind control. So they're multi-vectoring anyone they want to with mind control through antennas on the roofs, through cell phone antennas, now they're putting flat array antennas inside the cell phones, and these students are walking around hitting people with sonic bullets and pain beams. Um, as you walk by them, you're almost crippled by the time you want to go to the grocery store and walk back, and you're almost crippled by the time you get back from these EMF attacks. And um, I live in an apartment the um, the apartment over me has uh, two women in there who are attacking uh, this apartment and all of our uh, efforts to make to do interviews. To we can't even sleep at night. Um, it's it's they're they're attacking our cat all the time and and making it claw and bite at unexpected times. Um, it's called the uh, power of aggression, and it's Americans who designed that. It was the Army and the Navy and the Air Force that have built all of these horrific weapon systems, and it's the university that has the students designing them and creating them without even understanding what the consequences are. So... Now, why would students walk up and deliberately hit people with pain beams? Um, I mean, didn't they have good parenting or something? It's beyond that. I watch their faces. And as soon as they hit a person with pain beams through these cell phones, the new, um, especially the new iPods, um, they suddenly get a really happy grin on their faces, and it took me a year and a half to figure out they're getting neuro-linguistic programming and rewards 
from their cell phone to do things that are inhumane. And that is what this transhumanism is about. It's also about moving, relocating populations, and that has always gone on to um, empty valuable areas so that people who want to profit from it can steal it and moving people into areas where they're at a disadvantage or they have no resources, and so they become a slave population, a victim population. Um, so, And also, the University of California developed the nuclear weapons. What is a university, of Cal- a university developing weapons of mass destruction? But I remember when a rock was being tra- attacked 20 years ago, and... Um, um, a Middle Eastern woman, it was in a newspaper interview, they were talking to her, I think she was an academic, but she finally said, I finally realized why this is happening. It's the university, through the academics, and the professors, and the memes, and so forth, that uh, that are designing this, and carrying it out, and uh, brainwashing the public with it. And they're brainwashing the public to do things that have no benefit to the targeted person. Right, right. Now, um, to to carry this 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 further, this is a form of state terror. Yes, it is carried out against the civilian population of the U.S. There. They're taking a portion of the civilian population, in this case, the students, they're turning them into gang stalkers. Yes. In control. And murderers. And murderers. And then they're turning them against the population. They've already done that to a sector of the police. Yes. They're trying to do that to a sector of the army through Jade Helm. Yes. Etc. Where do you see this going? Uh, uh, the U.S. is doomed. Uh, what's, what's happening is with the, with Europe, they, they took these old European countries that have their own distinct cultures and currency and practices and governments, and they bought, they, um, boggled them together in, into the European Union. And, um, the country still had, uh, referendums, the people would vote on issues and everything, and they had elected presidents and, and figures. But once those countries came under the EU and they accepted that, then later on this this European Union constitution suddenly reared its ugly head, and it was like 365 pages or something. And um, it... Uh, took all of the militaries away from the countries. They were forced and mandated by that constitution to maintain militaries, but all of those militaries would be under NATO, under the U.S. government military, and the countries that these soldiers came from had to pay all the costs and buy all the military equipment and the jets and the tanks and everything and the munitions, but they had no control of their own military. And so this is basically what we're seeing in the Ukraine. It's the shadow of NATO, but um, it's all backfired because they overreached. 
and they underestimated and they did not plan for unintended consequences. So um, what we're seeing happening in Europe um, has backfired and made Russia stronger and the European Union, Europe weaker, uh, the United States weaker, uh, which is what they wanted in order to carry out this transition. And Jade Helm now is the um, the rollout of the military equipment that was brought back from Iraq and Afghanistan and given to all the police departments in the United States. Now, the police said, we didn't even want that equipment. What what do we want that for? We're, we're not allowed to... Um, to enforce, um, well, it's the military because of the Posse Comitatus Act of 1868, I think, that uh, prohibited the U.S. military from enforcing laws in the United States. Uh, well, they are destroying the Constitution. They're violating the Constitution every day. Um, you can still go to court and win on constitutional violations. But how many people have the time to spend months and months and months and a lot of money to go to court to in, to um, demand their constitutional rights? And people who came to the United to the Americas and set up the colonies, many of them came to get away from the Jesuits in Europe. And finally. In the mid-1800s, the countries in Europe were fed up with the Jesuits, and they made laws prohibiting them from being in their countries. In other words, the Jesuits completely crashed. Um, now, uh, Borgia, who uh, found Loyola in Spain, and Loyola started the Jesuits under the guidance of and the, uh, the uh, sponsorship of... Um, uh, Alejandro Farnese in Rome, um, Borgia um, predicted that the Jesuits would crash two times, but they would come back from that. And the third time they came back, they would uh, sustain their position and dominate the whole world and control it. And Borgia said it will be two eagles. Two eagles that bring that about. And who has eagles? Russia has two eagles, a two-headed eagle, on their uh, imperial flag. And the United States, of course, has the bald eagle as the symbol of this country. So somehow I believe that Russia and the U.S. will, in partnership, bring about this transformation. And when I worked at the Livermore Nuclear Weapons Lab from 1989 to 91, my lab partner came in, and he was really excited. He said, there are two KGB generals here, Soviet generals here today. And I said, what are they doing here? This is the Cold War, and that's the enemy. Uh, the Livermore Nuclear Weapons Lab is the most one of the most protected buildings practically in the world. Buildings, facilities, I mean. And he said, oh, they're uh, transferring the uh, technologies of political control to the United States that they used to establish the Soviet Union. 
I said, what are those technologies? He said, oh, it's mind control and stuff like that. And um, the seven biggest tarp antennas in the world are in the Soviet Union. And they were experimenting with harp mind control um, activities on populations in the United States. For instance, Medford, Oregon, where there was an overnight suicide epidemic in this little tiny town in Oregon on the border of California. Well, what am I seeing now that Homeland Security is all over California? And... Um, the former head of Homeland Security, Janet Napolitano, was running the University of California. What I'm seeing is, uh, are you thinking of suicide? These are posters. Suicide question mark. Call this number. We'll help you. There's suicide posters plastered all over the buses, all over the, um, the public places, all over the subway, everywhere. And um, and now I'm reading about suicides all over California. It's not just all over California. It's this whole Jade Helm area, region. And these are frequencies transmitted as algorithms. It's a um, mathematical language used in uh, factories to give commands on an assembly line. Well, they can do it to people and animals and living things, too. So... Um, I'm, I'm just seeing this, this mad scheme rolling out and it's horrifically frightening because it's reversing everything that we know as normal and replacing it with things that are completely abnormal and completely crazy. This gang stalking is nuts. And I said, how could this happen and how could it happen so fast? And when I think about the just the damage in mental health around the world from nuclear bomb tests that were done in the atmosphere. They did 1,300 nuclear bomb tests in the United States. Our own government nuked this country and the whole population. And we have the highest rate of mental illness in the world. 26% of the U.S. population has some form of mental illness. Um, Nigeria, it's 4% but they didn't have bomb tests. So we have a whole population, a sick population that's mentally ill, and they're easy, easy, easy to train, to coerce into these mad schemes, and they've always felt like outcasts because they know they're not normal. Well, suddenly they have a gang they belong to, and they're, they have prestige, and they have power, and it's all secret, and, and it's very, very seductive. But they're doing things that are destroying their own future and their own lives. And um, it's um, it's just horrific. It, it's truly horrific to watch this happening. And Americans don't have an identity, a tribal identity. They gave all of their indigenous identity up in music and everything, their lands, uh, their culture, to come to America. And they were promised the streets were paved in gold. And, and there was a lot of opportunity because they just took all the land away from the Indians and killed them. And um, so I, I'm not saying Americans are bad. Americans have done many, many very brave things. Um, and their government has been bad. But the Manhattan Project scientists who trained me in radiation 
said to me one day, he turned around. It was like, it was like being with Plato for a day under the tree talking about philosophy of science and everything. And he just said to me one day out of the blue, uh, just remember all governments are terrorist operations. And you know what? Every single day since he told me that I've had proof that it's absolutely true. We are ruled by psychopaths and sociopaths who've taken over our governments, and they are the terrorists. And and it seems from 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 what you're saying that um, that in this case, and there's evidence of it. Once we're dealing with the transhumanist agenda, in this case specifically HARP. The early experiments were jointly done by the United States and the Soviet Union on the United States. So it really is the United States and the Soviet Union bringing down the United States together. In partnership. In partnership. Yes. And um, I mentioned the two KGB generals at Livermore. And I said to my partner, um, after he told me about the technologies of political control, and I said, I don't want that stuff here. And um, he's, I said, why are they doing it? And he said, well, because they're flipping the Soviet Union into the becoming the U.S. and the U.S. becoming the Soviet Union. And so these um, Cuba now, these Cubans are appearing and they're infiltrating NGOs and they're taking over websites and destroying them. They are targeting the change agents in the United States, the Americans who are patriots who are trying to stop this. And uh, they have other roles. Now, they're also, I made, I met a, a Russian Orthodox abbess of a, 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 a woman's monastic, um, I guess it's a, um, a convent. And she told me there are two KGB generals at Homeland Security. So they're running Homeland Security. This is all uh, from the Soviet communist era. And um, that's who's flipping the United States, along with the Jesuits. It has nothing to do with, with, with religion. They're doing it. It's, um, it's just a raw... Uh, takeover and and enslavement of a whole population i just it's it's amazing that it's happening so fast and um they've put uh, all kinds of new transformers on the light poles all over the san francisco bay area it just happened overnight and a pg and e truck will pull up they will all the men are running the whole time and they have lookouts watching over them and um I took photos of them, and the University of California mm. sent someone in my house to steal my cameras with the film in them. They took <clears throat> all the film. Right. Now, let me ask you this important question. <coughs> with regard to Russia, Putin said it'll never happen, it'll never work, meaning the takedown of Russia. No, 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 the, the scheme to dominate the whole world. Oh, to dominate the whole world. Yes. Now. It's the Jesuit scheme. Yes. Right, right. What about the Jesuit scheme of taking down the U.S.? What's going to happen there? 
Oh, it's already happening. Oh, uh, it's happening. Oh, absolutely. And and Jade Helm is an important, very, very important increase in uh, the intensity and in the rollout, um, the scheduling of what's happening. So uh, eventually the the borders will be closed and people won't be able to leave. They won't even be able to leave their neighborhoods. It will be so painful uh, when they walk out yeah. the door. The iPhones now, I've seen them hooking up students uh, standing on the sidewalk outside buildings. There's a, a Comcast uh, operator uh, wiring a house for Comcast, and he's hooking up the um, the gang stalker's iPod to that building, to the Comcast. So he has access to everyone in the building. Now, Americans who are listening to this, and it's going to be a lot of Americans, I mean, by and large, that are going to be listening to this broadcast. What should Americans do? Um, Americans, you know, if every American or even half of them took a chair out into their front yard and sat there all over the United States, this would stop immediately. But silence is the sanction of the victim. And even the resistance in the United States has already been compromised. It's just Swiss cheese with phony activists. It's funded by CIA foundations. Uh, the whole progressive left media, all of it is funded by the MacArthur Foundation, um, uh, uh, the George Bush group, Carl's, the Carl's, Carlisle, Carlisle group. Um, it's, it's all Swiss cheese and ran by the CIA. And of Soros. course, that, that's the Jesuits. Soros. Soros, yes. Who, who is Soros an agent for? The Jesuits. The Jesuits. Yeah. He's involved with the Rothschilds and, and of course, the Rothschilds were German Jews who, uh, they were poor and, uh, but they were involved in money lending and gold and things like that. And uh, they really got their start when the American Revolution started. And um, the uh, Prince of Hesse in Germany had a big army. And so the first Rothschild went to the pr Prince of Hesse. He'd been selling him uh, little trinkets and jewelry and antiquities and stuff, kind of like a peddler. But he um, he um, made friends with the Prince of Hesse and became useful to him. So when the the British uh, decided to have the um, have a war against the colonies, uh, it was the Rothschild Amstelmeyer Rothschild who went to the Prince of Hesse and said, um, "I'd like to hire your mercenaries for the British government to use against the American colonies." And, um, and that's how it started. And, uh, so the, and, and of course the Prince of Hesse was part of the Habsburg Empire. So that's how it all started. But, um, the Habsburg Empire, of course, was created by Jesuits and dominated by them. So that's who's really, um, running all of what's going on now. What's going on. And of course now we have the Jesuit Pope coming to the U.S. in September 
on Yom Kippur, September 24th, he's speaking in, in the U.S. Congress for the first time ever. On September 25th, he's setting out in this encyclical, uh, the sustainable goals, post-2015 sustainable goals, while he uh, outlaws hemp, the world's most sustainable crop. <laughs> it's got to be illegal. Yeah. Because that's dope ink. Uh, because it's com- competition with their heroin and ecstasy yeah. and speed trafficking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, so- hemp is a medicine. Marijuana is a medicine. And I want to tell people, I don't want you to do anything illegal. Many states have legalized marijuana. Move to another state if you're in pain, if your state doesn't allow it. But if you drink marijuana tea every morning and evening, it takes your pain away and it helps you completely sleep all night. Even with these frequencies, I take three ibuprofens and drink a cup of marijuana tea at night and I sleep like a baby through all the frequencies. If you don't do that, you can't sleep or they wake you up every three hours. Yeah, which is why they... uh uh Medical cannabis was outlawed in 1937 in the build-up to World War II with all the massive mind control. Right. Now, I still want to stick with the U.S. I'm not about to give up on the Americans. Okay. But it, it seems as though they've written off the Americans as a bunch of mind control people who just have been totally compromised and have no more mind, no more self-mind. They are totally mind-controlled. They can be driven around. Look, here you have, there's a baseball photograph of the baseball stadium in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 10,000 people in Milwaukee to see Senator Bernie Sanders, Sanders, who's a stalking horse for the Zionist world, Zionist forces. Uh, you know, and people go, what? Are you crazy? He's the only hope we have. Could you tell us what's going on with Hillary Clinton, the Bush-Clinton crime gang, and what Bernie Sanders, the sewer socialist, is all about? Well, um, Hillary Clinton's maiden name was Rodham. Um, And so I started investigating her background because um, she was always looking at the uh, the Rockefeller who was – a governor of Arkansas, like like a father-in-law or something. Well, she he is her father-in-law <laughs> uh, because Clinton's uh, mother was his daughter, illegitimate daughter, and um, and so I started looking up her name and her background and everything, and her middle name, maiden name is really Radonsky. They they shortened it and changed it when they came to the U.S. or at some time um, to hide her Jewish origins. And um, so she's from that same region that Brzezinski's from. He's a Polish. He's Polish also. And uh, there are others. Uh, Carrie is a, a, a Huffin Judah or a house Jew from a long tradition of Jews who served the Habsburg court. His family was from Czechoslovakia, and his father came with his parents 
to the United States, but they were tremendously wealthy. And um, they were not allowed to remove uh, their very fine art, which they had collected over the centuries from the continental from continental Europe, that's a, that's a law in Europe. And so they bought a beautiful chateau in France, in Normandy, and they uh, put all their art there. And that's where Carrie's mother and father met. She was an American from a Forbes family, not the Forbes who make the, the magazine Forbes and Wall Street Forbes, an older family that were part of the um, the heroin trade, uh, the independent uh, uh, sea captains who who traded with China, but they picked up the um, the opium from the Rothschilds and from the opium warehouses in India, and they transported it to China, bribed the customs officials, and so the Roosevelts. The, the Careys, many, many wealthy American families made their money on drugs. And um, so anyway, um, Careys, uh, one of these Huffin, of these house Jews, uh, there are many of them. Um, Madeleine Albright is from Czechoslovakia, and uh, um, her father was the ambassador to Yugoslavia. Um, there are lots of them. And they're performing the same roles they, they played in, in Europe, in, in other cultures, in other countries, and other times. Uh, they're very, very consistent. So um, they come over here, and um, they just get a, a helicopter ride right to the highest levels of the government or into the, the most pri- they're privileged. They, they've got ties. They've got juice, and they use it connections to get where they want to get to. But they're part of this hidden secret network, global secret network that controls the world. We just we just don't know about it because we're not part of it. Or we may be part of it. We be, may be part of those bloodlines and not, not be aware of it. But um, they're exterminating a lot of those people. They don't want those bloodlines around. And it's the Jesuits. Uh, with the new crown princes and their wives who are commoners who are setting the model, setting up the, um, the, the, uh, uh, the public, uh, hierarchy, but they work for the Jesuits also. Right. But now, uh, uh, what you're saying is that the large bulk of Americans are just brainwashed ninnies. I mean, um, that, that they don't have the internal wherewithal to withstand this, uh, this, this electronic takeover by Russia and the U.S. government and to take back their country that it's gone. It, it, well, is that what you're saying? Americans, um, first of all, they're isolated because uh, they're very, very independent, and um, Americans, it's impossible to work with them, you know, in groups uh, on peace projects, for instance, or other projects, because everyone's an individual, and they want to do it their way. I see. Um, I, I went to Japan, and I took you to Japan, and we saw something very different there. 
um, people work in groups by consensus. It's just the social um, rule in Japan and in other countries. Uh, they work more uh, on a as a tribe, uh, tribal tribal rules, tribal norms, tribal practices, and there's a reason why those uh, the tribes develop those. It's about survival, and unless you have a network to help you and to support you and to work with, and where you're all sharing ideas and you're making decisions together. Uh, how can one individual make a, a decision uh, with their own bias that will uh, be beneficial to everybody else? It's impossible. It has to be a consensus. It has to be a group meeting. And there have to be norms and practices that protect generations, even seven generations from now. The Central Asian tribes did that. And uh, they didn't intermarry. Uh, you were not allowed to marry anyone within seven generations that you had any relationship to at all. And that's to prevent inbreeding. Um, they had, even the popes of Rome, most of them were Iranian from these ancient Iranian bloodlines. They had to approve all of the royal marriages in Europe. And it was on that rule of seven uh, generations of no intermarriage. Now, what happened is in with the Habsburg Empire, the Jesuits wanted to recreate the Roman Empire when the Eastern Roman Empire collapsed, and it wasn't until the 1500s. So they broke their rule of intermarriage, and instead of fighting for that to reassemble that Roman Empire with wars, they did it with marriages and with the bed. Reproduction. And so people with land were married to each other if that land was a piece of the Habsburg Empire. And there were uncles marrying nieces. There were um, uh, heirs produced who um, uh, drooled and were so severely crippled from inbreeding that they couldn't reproduce themselves. And this was all the Jesuits uh, going against the seven generations rule but they thought it was worth it. Remember when Madeleine Albright said to a reporter who questioned, wasn't it cruel and uh, insane to kill the children of Iraq? And she, Madeleine Albright said, well, um, well, it's a high price to pay, but we think it's worth it. And so you see, they change the rules anytime they want to in order to benefit from um some scheme that they or agenda that they want to carry out that may not be good for the people involved, but it doesn't matter. They're just going to throw them away anyway. Right, right. The Jesuit minuet is to embrace, enfold, and exterminate. And exterminate. Well, uh, we've, We've, we've pretty much come to the end of this segment, but you've laid out quite a challenge for America and Americans here, I think. And you're in the heart of the beast. You're in the yes. deep, dark, Berkeley, California. <laughs> yes. And uh, people who hold together, who stick together, um, I mean, it's the blacks in the ghetto and the Mexicans in the ghetto who still work together. And... Um, um, and they have a, a sort of a tribal structure because they can't survive without it. 
Right, right. So, so these these people will um, these people will survive better than the uh, the Americans who have um, not. They they're just living in suburbs. They're not attached to anything. They're not um, they're not cohesive. I mean, they just they can be picked off. They go to work and they come back, and they have some toys to keep them in the game. But they're really slaves. Uh, but at least they get something, even though it's stolen at the end of every generation. You know, with paying yeah. for rest homes. Why aren't the elderly dying in their family homes with their families? That's natural and normal all over the right. world. You should have the whole family living in the house together. It's wonderful. There's always someone to talk to at dinner. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, um, do, do, do you have some? Uh, yes, yes. What I want to say, what I want to say in conclusion is that um, Americans can do it. They can save their country. They can save their constitution. But they need to get rid of the TV, quit reading the newspapers. They're only this big now. There's no news in them anyway. Uh, but they need to wake up and look around and realize that what they're participating is not benefiting them. It's killing them. We have chemtrails every single day in the Bay Area. I see the rain clouds coming in from the Pacific over the San Francisco Bay Area, and they are parking these huge rain clouds full of moisture, full of rain, over black communities and poor communities, and they have these dirty uh, sort of cobwebby uh, chemtrails sprayed all over under them. They're gray-looking. And they rain out all those pathogens and all that poison and all that radiation, the chemicals and everything, into the black communities. I am seeing so many people walking around with two canes now. These are men in their 60s. Uh, the black communities are just, they've been devastated health-wise. Uh, they're loaded up with medicines that are killing them, escalating the deaths. The children are not healthy. Uh, the food is poisoned. The most radioactive dairy products are shipped into inner city mom and pop stores in poor communities all over the United States. And that is U.S. national policy. And if you want to read about it, go to the website, lorenmoray.info and look for uh, Dr. Sternglass, Ernest Sternglass, wrote a paper at my insistence. I took him to a genocide conference in Hiroshima, and I said, you have to write about the hidden black genocide in America. And so he did, and he titled it The Hidden Genocide in America. Um, and that that was has shocked a lot of people, but... Uh, the blacks love it. I give it to the bus drivers and, and shopkeepers and, and anybody I need. I always recommend that they read it and they go, yeah, that's what's happening. Right. They know. They know. So Americans to, need to start eating better, healthier diets. Don't eat GMO food. Uh, prepare everything yourself. Don't buy prepared food. It's full of poisons and radiation. They import uh, milk product, dried milk powder, 
that is uh, from the Chernobyl area, from other nuclear areas. The U.S. government and Department of Energy is causing nuclear releases all over the United States, just like are happening in the Ukraine. The politicians are blowing up nuclear power plants to blackmail Europe into giving them more money. Um, Russia, uh, I don't know what they're doing with their nuclear waste, but um, they weren't, they were pretty sloppy about it. And all over America, the nuclear waste uh, dump called repository called WIP, W-I-P-P in New Mexico is having uh, emissions every, all the time and, and it's poisoning every part of America uh, east of the Rocky Mountains. Uh, so in, in a few years, we'll be able to look at the statistics, the deaths and unexplained deaths, the infant mortality, all of that, and we will see the effects of these emissions. People should be surrounding the nuclear power plants and insisting that they're shut down. All they are is a slow nuclear war against Americans. And um, there are lots of things they can do. They can go to better sites and better better sources for information. Don't just follow Alex Jones and all these jerks who are getting paid by Israel or they're pro-Israeli or whatever they are. They're liars, and they're lying to the public, and they're getting rich doing it. So um, Fukushima's blowing up uh, right now, today. Uh, there are fires at Fukushima. The Chernobyl situation is on fire again in the exclusion zone. Uh, this is uh, 20 years of, of accumulated a forest debris leaves and broken branches and everything is piled up and the bacteria can't live in that high level of radiation. So all that fire tinder is just sitting there waiting to be torched and uh, it starts burning and all the radiation goes up in the air and it goes all over the world. It's This is the second fire they've had at Chernobyl in um, since uh, April. And, and, um, the the April fire, the Ukrainian government said, "Oh, it's only 300. Uh, it's only 300 acres." Well, I got a satellite picture, and it's uh, more like uh, 24,000 acres. Right. 24,600 acres. It's 10,000 hectares. So they lied about that, and that was not an accident. I think that uh, the Prime Minister Yatsenyuk, who is a Scientologist, he's Ukrainian, but he's a Scientologist. His sister works for in America for Goldman Sachs. He was a Goldman Sachs um, banker. And um, there are so many fires that have suddenly started um, because of him. He He's the one. I call him the Goldman Sachs um um, nuclear, arsonist. nuclear arsonist. Yeah, that's what he is. So he's burning up the Ukraine, but the smoke is going all over uh, Europe. And the heaviest smoke, they used harp to park it over Greece um, just before this new uh, president was elected, and they have nuked Greece again. And that will drive their productivity and their population down 
and that escalates that debt and and de-escalates the population growth so that the Ukraine has no chance of ever escaping from that debt. Right. There's one way. There's one way, and this is going to happen. Um, Putin is um, supporting uh, Cyprus in Greece. That will help to um, collapse the IMF and the EU, which are criminal organizations anyway. And um, he is uh, bringing Yatsenyuk, the last democratically elected president of the Ukraine, who has been sequestered in Russia. And uh, if and if he brings Yatsenyuk back into office, if he can reestablish the, that government, it means that the junta, which is an illegal CIA overthrow, uh, illegally borrowed that money from the IMF and had no jurisdiction or legal basis for doing it. So then the IMF is responsible for their illegal transaction and the debt will not be attached to the new government of the Ukraine. Right, right. And probably it may be um, methods like that that uh, uh, will save the Ukraine. And conversely, the U.S., if it can show that all of its public debt going back to 1913 was because of an illegitimate institution like the Federal Reserve imposed by a criminal gang led by the Warburgs and the Rothschilds and these other gangsters. Same. Well, what I discovered, I figured it out finally, Alfred, about a week ago, and I said, oh, I understand now. It's, um, there's a population. This is all over the world in every country. And on top of that uh, population um, are the oligarchs. And the oligarchs manage that population and keep them in line and bleed them of all their resources and um, uh, accumulated wealth. And the oligarchs are controlled by the Jesuits and those top-level bloodline families, Iranian bloodline families. So you see in every country that's how it's set up. Um, until this system is destroyed, we are going to be dealing with uh, more and more severe corruption because yeah. the te technologies of political control are more and more sophisticated. And, um, and that's just how it's, it's going. I mean, the last um, republic, the last really uh, true democratic government was in the Greek era. What was that year? What was that year? 65 B.C. 65 B.C. is a uh, hot-button number. 365. that 365 B.C. And it's something George W. Bush and the CIA and all these people with this hocus-pocus, you know, insider Zionist language, they use these numbers, these anniversaries, Hitler's birthday, uh, the collapse of that, that government in Greece that was truly democratic. We haven't had a democratic government since then. The United States is not a democratic country. Oh, no, no. But I like 
the uh, women of Iceland in 1975, 90% of the women in Iceland went on strike. And by strike means even in their own homes, they stopped serving food, they yes. stopped having sex, they stopped performing. Yes. They and, quit participating in something that was destroying them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they got complete equality, legislative, economic, etc. So we're on the way. I'm calling for all women on the planet to go on strike. That's excellent. And you see, Putin has avoided World War III by figuring out clever ways to go around it. He yeah. just didn't accept the offers they made. He counter-offered after they laid all their cars out, their cards out. And yeah, then yeah. He, he used Aikido. He used their energy to turn it around Good. out of his own. And um, they don't even know what happened. I mean, uh, one of the top senators in Congress and even American generals said, we never thought Putin would respond to the Ukraine, us attacking the Ukraine like he did. We, 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 we never expected that. And, and so the hey, U.S. is abandoning the Ukraine. I got it. I got it. Maybe Americans should write in Putin in, in November 2016. They should. <laughs> and um, uh, the Greek women stopped the wars where all their their children were being killed in these endless Greek wars, and they did it by not sleeping with the husbands. They quit sleeping with men until the wars stopped. Yeah. Boy, did they stop fast. Yeah. So you, it's a man's world in the daytime, but it's a woman's world at night. Well, on on that thought, I I I really want to thank you for taking time out for joining us, and we look forward to your joining us in the future as events develop. Um, Alfred, I know some people think I'm a monster, but I want to thank you for making me a monster. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know quite what that means, but. Except <laughs> you started me doing the harp interviews, and, and look where we are now. So. You know, my brother asked me a question. My brothers are bankers and stockbrokers and um, investors, and and one of them said uh, we're standing around, and he was like about twenty six, and he said, "You know, I wonder who really runs the world." I wonder who's really at the top. And it took me all these years yeah. to figure it out in 50 <laughs> countries. At, but I did figure it out. Indeed. Well, thank, thank you, you very much. Thank Good. you. Thank you.